bet they're really getting confidence now. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Cuddy and the Cooch on Sports. Cuddy, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to be here. Good to be here. Good. We got another great guest, um, another athlete from the same. If you listen to our Everett Gray episode, they were kind of in alignment, played together. So we're happy to have him and get his take on some of the stuff Everett may have messed up. Maybe Didon can clear it up for us. So I'll turn it over to, to Cuddy to give the intro for our guest. All right. Thanks, Cooge. Yeah, well, this is a great guy to have on. One of my all-time favorite Rebels, um, Didon Thomas. Didon, welcome to the show. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you a brief history here, and then, then we'll bring you in here. But um, as as the Cooge said, I got to call her the Cooge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you came in in 91-92 in Tark's last season, which was uh, really a, a great season as far as basketball was concerned. But unfortunately, we weren't able to go anywhere that year, which we can talk about later. And then your last two years with, with uh, Raleigh Massimino, 92-93 and 94-95. And uh, I'm sorry, 92-93, 93-94. And... Um, you you know during those times you were the starting point guard for the rebels and uh played in 85 games had a great career and you know as as we we did talk to Ever Gray who was one of your teammates you know that, that was a tough transition i think for you guys um you know coming off the tark years and going into the Raleigh Massimino years so first of all Dedon welcome to the show appreciate you taking the time thank you for having me yeah so so what do you what do you recall about your time at UNLV and well, where and, did you come from before UNLV? Yeah, there you go. Well, I, I went to um, Tabs High School in, in Southern California in Woodland Hills. Um, graduated in 1989. Um, went to junior college for one year at Antelope Valley Junior College. Uh, moved to UNLV. Set out one year, and I was able to play three years at UNLV. Nice. So you were you recruited or did you seek out UNLV? Um, no, Coach Coach Gerg um, recruited me. He started working. It's, it's funny because um, myself and, and Matt Optic will, will forever be linked. Um, uh, it's funny because I was with I was with Matt the other night. We had we had dinner at uh, Piero's the other night oh. um, with, with Matt Optic. And so what happened is. Matt Othick had, I'm not, I can't remember if he signed a letter of intent to UNLV or he verbally committed to UNLV. He, he was verbal. I don't, I don't think he signed anything, but he was definitely okay. verbally committed. When we went on probation, he backed out of his, in my junior year, UNLV was not recruiting me. Um, so Matt Othick had verbally committed. And when we got um, put on probation, Matt of intent, and that's when, and, and to go to uh, University of Arizona, and that's when Coach Gerg really started recruiting me really hard. So yeah, that was a big to do with Matt backing out, and you know because everybody thought he was signed, sealed, and delivered to come to UNLV, and then he left, and uh, so it created a pretty big uproar. Yeah, um, yeah, I bet, I bet. I mean, you're talking about 
one of the one of the best guards to ever come out of uh, Las Vegas in the state of Nevada. Uh, Matt was a, was a big time player. Um, so for him to back out of his letter of intent and then go to U of A, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, I'm sure that made it even even tougher to to have to swallow that. So right. So coming in first. So your first year was Tark's last year. Can you give us a little bit about? how it felt or what it was like to play under Tark? It was great. Um, it was, it was, you know, those guys really, the guys before me really, you know, they really set the table for us. Um, you know, I remember one time Everett saying, when these dudes graduate, this is going to be ours. I remember Everett saying that. <laughs> Talking about Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogman and all those guys. And, mm-hmm. You know, we kind of own the town. You know what I mean? We uh, there was no professional teams here, um, and and it was just it was just a it was just a really really fun exciting time to be a running rebel. Um, so you know, it was a wonderful time. Yeah, and in in your case, Deedon, if you look back at it, I mean, I got there in '82. Um, you know, Tark had got there earlier and, you know, of course they went to the final four in 77. Um, but the history of UNLV and Tark's teams, I mean, obviously great players, but he also had really great point guards. If you look at those guys, you know, the Robert Smith, Mark Wade, um, Greg Anthony, uh, probably missing a couple too, but, and then you come in. So, and, and I remember, you know, my days there, there was a big emphasis on the point guard. I mean, Tark had a specific responsibility, philosophy of what he wanted the point guard to do. And and yeah. uh, was that, for you coming in, a, a tough transition? Um, you know, knowing the guards that, that preceded you, if you will. No, I don't think it was a tough transition. Um, I just – I uh, this is the thing about point guards – um, and, and even, even now when, when I coach my point guards, I'm really hard on my point guards. Um, I'm notoriously hard on them. Um, and your team is usually going to go as your point guard goes. Um, and, and, you know, Mark Wade was tough as nails. Um, Robert, Robert Smith was tough as nails. You know, Greg Anthony was a, was a tough point guard. Um, you know, so just, 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 uh, it wasn't a tough transition. I, I just knew that I wanted to be mentioned along with all of those great guards that played at UNLV. So, I mean, I just bought in and, and whatever he needed me to do, um, I would do it. And, well, coming in. Sorry, I have a question about, so now that you're a coach and you say you've coached point guards and being a point guard, specifically in mm-hmm. that position, what is this, what is like the skill set of a point guard? Like what, what makes that different? Like that's always a standout position and like yeah. what kind of skill set makes that stand out? Well, this is the thing about point guards and it's funny because I tell my point guards this all the time, especially my sons, when it goes right, you're not going to get any of the credit, but when it goes wrong, you're going to, you're going to get all of the blame. So you can't be too high. You can't be too low. You have to be 
even killed. Right. Um, and again, I'm the same way with my sons, where just go play hard and be tough and, and lead the team. Um, the point guard is usually a a um, the point guard is usually an extension of the the, the coach. Mm-hmm. And Coach Tark was a tough coach. Um, you know, he was a very tough coach. And you know, I prided myself on on being an extension of him. Well, Dedon, you know you. You, yeah, you certainly did do that. I mean, you had the, all the characteristics of what the guys you just spoke about for sure. Um, and that particular year, 91, 92 was, was really tough because it was Tark's last year and everybody knew it. And so for you being the, the you know, one of the, the point guard on the team and being the leader uh, to bring that team together. Cause if you remember it wasn't a good start. It was a it was a rocky start. Uh, yeah. We were two and two. We lost a couple games on the road to Rutgers and uh, Missouri, and mm-hmm. um, and you know that was character. You know that was very uncharacteristic for Coach Tark's teams to start out the year two and two, and then all of a sudden, um, you know what what do you win like twenty five in a row or twenty six in a row. Um, yeah. So I think that speaks a lot to what you're talking about and, and what you had to do to kind of keep that team together because that, that year could have went south. I mean, very easily it could have went south. Yeah, it sure could have. We were, we were super talented. We were super talented, but it was just a, it was a different team because like we were athletic, but we weren't Stacey Augman, Larry Johnson, uh, great. Like we wasn't athletic, like those guys, um, uh, J.R. Ryder was, was not a, not a great defender. Um, Dexter Boney was not a, a great defender. Um, so I remember going one and two and then scrapping our whole game plan for the year. And we played, a, instead of playing man to man, we went back to Tark playing, uh, uh, that one, two, two. That, yeah. that he made so famous when he was younger. Um, I want to say he might have played that at at Long Beach State, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he scrapped the whole game plan, and we started playing that one-two-two, and we started shutting guys out, and we just went on a hell of a run, and eighteen and zero in conference, and won twenty-five, twenty-six straight, and uh, it was a, it was a, it was it's just, it's just. Like I think about that sometimes and I, you know, I think about how sad it was that we couldn't, uh, you know, we couldn't go to the tournament because we were number five in the country ending at the ending the year, number five in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had won all of those games straight. We went 18 and 0 in, in the league and we, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't go to the tournament and that just, you know, that sucked. Yeah, I mean, and that that was tough, and 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 you're right. I, I mean, the other one, the other guy that comes to mind, um, and and I always remember this: is Elmore Spencer, big big Elmore was our center, and yeah. although Elmore, you know, didn't come across as being a great defender, he turned out to be that way. But I think the one two two really helped him as well, and um, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like that team. And again, I'm you know my recollection is that team really started out like not knowing each other 
and then just kind of all of a sudden molded. And like you said, it, everything, you know, just took off. And there were so many kind of different personalities on that team, um, you yeah. know, from Jr. to Elmore. I mean, H. Waldman was a young guy at the time, you know, that was trying to come on. Reggie um, Manuel was, was on that team. And uh, as you mentioned, Dexter Boney. So it, it was really – you're right. I mean, the Stacys and the Larrys and, you know, Greg, all those guys were going – and now it was your team and, you know, and, and, uh, and it was, you know, Everick was on, you know, Everick had, was a part of the championship team, but it was just a really, I thought that team was a hell of a team that could have went a long way in the tournament. Um, I, I really thought you guys could have, cause like you said, nobody stood out, but everybody played their role and they played it very well. Well, before we, I want to get into like your take on not going to the tournament and kind of all the drama that surrounded that. But before we do that, for our listeners, can we, can you explain what the one, two, two method was and what that entailed? Well, the one, two, two um, was where you, you, you put pressure on the ball up top and the two big guys on the bottom had to cover the corners. Um, and I remember, I remember Ken Gibson used to sit in the corners <laughs> <laughs> and he would shoot those threes and Melvin Love would just run him, knock him down. Yeah. I remember that drill, Tark. So when, when we <laughs> oh, practiced this drill, as D-Don was saying, so you got your two big guys in the bottom on the block and, you know, for a list uh, of the blocks, the little white yeah. thing down there that they paint. And the, the drill would be very simple. Assistant coach would throw it to the corner to these shooters <laughs> and they would, and the big guy had to get there yeah. and try to block the shot. And so Kenny Gibson was a hell of a shooter and yeah. they would just keep making them. Well then, you know, of course the big guys would get pissed because, because <laughs> these guys keep knocking them down. And then the next thing you know, it turned into like a football drill because uh, Melvin Love, who D Don mentioned, was like six ten, and he would just run right through Kenny, knock him into the, <laughs> into the seats. Elmore Spencer, all those guys got really pissed because oh, those guys goodness. kept making shots. Those were some funny ties. Well, would Tark be like, "Come on, guys, like block the shot"? Of course, of course. Or he'd say, "Knock that shit off." <laughs> <laughs> Stop falling. Stop, Stop falling. falling. Yeah. That, wow, I remember those. I loved that drill. That was one of the best drills ever. Yeah, so. So, um, yeah, anyway, let's roll back to what we were kind of talking about with, with like, not going to the tournament and all that drama. Um, you know, just kind of give us, like, your perspective on, you know, some of the stories. Like, I know Everett was – this was more after, this was a little bit after that when Massimino was there and you guys were getting pictures taken of you and all that stuff. So just kind of give us like your take on the quote unquote drama from like all that stuff. Um, well, and then you're talking about, you're talking about with, with coach mass. Well, I would like to get like the not going to the tournament with Tark. I know Everick said that okay, you guys okay. were trying to go to court and get that overturned. And yeah, you know what? I guess I do remember that. Um, and that's when when we I remember going on the uh, going on the west side to a to a rally, and all of us showing up. And uh, Coach Tark had had uh, sent his reg resignation in, 
And after he did that, he wanted to rescind it. And um, Maxson was so hell bent on him getting out of there. Um, and like, I never really understood that. Um, I never really understood that. It's like this, this, this group of kids, these coaches have worked so hard over the last 25, 26, 27 years. And uh, just put the work in and to be uh, ran out of town the way they were ran out of town was just, it was just, uh, it was just wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just wrong. Um, and I've never been a part of anything like that ever. It was just a, it was just unfortunate. Well, I, I don't, I don't think anybody ever was a part of that. I mean, it was, uh, you know, at the time, if you remember D Don, man, we, you know, the, the basketball program, you, they didn't really recruit. It was, you know, kids wanted to come and play there. I mean, that's, it was up there, you know, where the Carolinas of the world and the, the Dukes and the Georgetowns and all that. So it was a, it was where every program really wanted to be. And in a matter of, you know, one year, it went from that to almost nothing. And, uh, you know, fractioned the whole city, um, the university. And I mean, it was, it just wasn't a good time, but for you guys as student athletes, that's what was really to me, the most devastating thing is that, um, if you, you remember there was a meeting on the court where, you know, they were going to try to get an injunction to allow you guys to play. And then the players would have had to pay so much money and, and that all fell apart. And, and that was right after, um, you know, the season was over. And I never will forget, you know, I was on the other side of the court, just, you know, just being a bystander. And, um, you know, the, I, I don't even remember who all talked to you guys, but there's two or three people there. And then everybody's like, well, we can't do that. It's over. And I remember seeing you guys walk, you know, back toward the locker room. And the looks on, you know, mostly everybody's face was just, you know, really not not something you want to see student athletes have to go through, you know, especially when you had the success that you guys had. And um, that's what I felt the worst about. I mean, Coach Tark, no question. I mean, that was, that was a bad deal, you know, everything that happened there. But really for you guys, it like I said, you guys had a shot to win a national championship if they would have allowed you to play. And, and you never had that opportunity. You never even had the opportunity to play in the conference tournament, you know. So that that was bad, you know. So – um, that yeah. was what, that was my take on it. it. Obviously everything that happened was bad, but for you guys as student athletes, that was probably the most demoralizing thing I'd ever seen student athletes have to go through. Yeah. And for us, yes, like it's something that like we, we had nothing to do with some of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, like we had nothing to do with that. Um, so it was just a, it was just an unfortunate, unfortunate situation. Well, and the the other question that I've never asked regarding this topic that just came to mind is like, if you knew you couldn't play in the tournament, like what kept you motivated for the season to, you know, to play hard and win? We just, we just, what we did is we just kind of circled the, the wagons and said, you know, uh, we're going to play for each other. Mm 
And I remember Coach Gerg was really, really good at that. You know, just just screw them. You know, screw them. We're just gonna go out and we're gonna kick everybody's ass. And especially the people that, <laughs> uh, uh, I guess, told on us. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, we're just gonna go. We're just gonna go smack everybody. Um, and that's what we did. We went out and we really, we we really played hard. And you know, we played the right way. And you know, that's that's all you can do um, when you're in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we know we we knew we weren't going to tournament. And, you know, we wanted to we wanted to just win every game, you know, just just win every game and buy a lot. <laughs> and for the, the people, the listeners that weren't around, you know, or, or you know, you, obviously that's been several years ago now. But um, that team got better as the season went on, too. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, as I said, we started out slow, got into the conference, you know, had a couple bad games in the conference where we, you know, we, we won. But. But then as, you know, game 12 and 15 and 17, I mean, none of those games really got that close anymore. I mean, we just started beating everybody. And to go 18-0 in any conference, especially being UNLV and every one of those conference teams wanted to beat us every time they played us, uh, that was uh, uh, probably as good as – almost a, as good as winning a national championship to go 18-0 in the conference going through everything you guys had to go through. Yeah. yeah Didon, you have yeah. a great announcer name too. Like I can hear the UNLV guy going, and another three by Didon Thomas. <laughs> 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 like I can just hear that. You have like the perfect announcer basketball <laughs> name. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so then let's transition to, to Massimino and kind of what that was like for I mean, you were obviously on the front line of that transition and, you know, from the like what the talk of the town was when he was coming in and like kind of how the team responded to all that, switching it up from Tark to Raleigh. Yeah, yeah. Um, just for me and and we'll kind of fast forward to what I do now as far as coaching, mm-hmm. for me to to be able to. Um, be coached by Jerry Tarkanian and Tim Gergerich, Key Star, um, and then switched uh, uh, switch coaching staff and and w- w- uh, work under Rolly Massimino and and Jay Wright. It was uh, it was. Uh, very educational. Um, got two coaches that won national championships. Um, coaches and, and they with with two totally different styles of play. Um, you know, Coach Mass was more of a um, Big East kind of not walk it up, but you know they didn't run like we ran. Um, so uh, to to be able to be under both of those, those different coaching staffs. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was great for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny cause I still run some of the stuff that we ran with coach mass, uh, with my kids right now, 30 years later. Um, so it was, it was very educational and, um, you know, just, just, just really good. And then to see how, 
Coach Jay Wright is having the success he's having. And I remember Coach Mass telling me one time, D, um, Jay is going to be really, really good. Um, and, you know, I didn't know. I'm, I'm 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be a really, really good coach. And I'm like, okay. And then here we are 30 years later. He's two national championships, several guys in the NBA. Um, uh, he runs a really good program. And, uh, you know, just very fortunate to be able to co- co- uh, le- learn under those two coaching staffs, different styles of play. Yeah, and they were a totally different style of play. And, um, and again, you know, everybody I – mean, I mean, the 92-93 team <clears throat> that Raleigh inherited, um, you know, it was, a, an, it was a good team too. I mean, uh, you yeah. know, we started out really well and then kind of, you know, faltered a little bit at the end. But, but you know, for Coach Massimino coming into UNLV when he did, I mean, it, it really had to be very special, I, I think – for to stay at the level that we were at. I mean, because like you said, just number one, you're, you're changing philosophies, a whole different mindset. So you're, you're telling guys that were recruited that, Hey, you know, we're going to have three passes and lay it in to, Hey, we're going to take 25 seconds off the clock, you know, in a half court game before we take a shot. So your guys's mindset had to change and the community's mindset had to change because it was, you know, it wasn't like watching the running Rebels, really. Um, no. But at the same time, like you said, they were both very good coaches, but they just coached differently, you know. And, um, and, and of course, you know, the way it all ended for Raleigh obviously wasn't probably the greatest thing that happened to him in his career. But at the same time, I just don't think it, it would have – it was going to be any better just under the circumstances. It was just tough, you know. So, um I don't know. I, 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 um, I always thought, uh, like you, you know, that that was a very good staff. Raleigh Massimino, Jay Wright, Tom Pecora was on that staff. And, you know, those guys I, I thought were really, really good coaches and had a really good plan. But to me, to try to take what Tark did and to do what, you know, Raleigh needed to do, it wasn't going to happen overnight. There was no way, you know, so – yeah, yeah. Um, it was just it was just one of those things where, and it's funny because people ask me sometimes, like, what what's the difference between the two coaching staffs? And I said, for one, we recruited different types of athletes. Um, you know, we we at UNLV, we recruited athletes. We recruited athletes, um, and and. Coach Mass at, at Villanova probably recruited more of a student athlete where, you know, I remember the freaking uh, playbook was this thick. Yeah. <laughs> it was this thick. And, and like, I remember Dexter had like stomach, didn't he? Have, he had stomach problems, right? Yeah. De- yeah Dexter, Dexter. Had stomach problems. Yeah. And I remember like, like Dex would get so nervous <laughs> Before yeah. <laughs> game, he couldn't remember anything, um, so we couldn't we couldn't run a lot of stuff with with with, with Dexter. Um, even with Jr., we couldn't we couldn't run a lot of stuff. Like Everett was fine, um, myself was fine, but you know, um, you know, and then with with Coach Tark and their staff, it was more really get up and defend, uh, uh, push the ball up the court, 
three out, two in, four out, one in, um, pound the ball inside to Larry if we didn't get anything in, in transition or, or pound it in to David Butler if we didn't get anything in transition. And it was just a, it was just a different type of athlete. Um, but again, like Coach Max, those guys had so many. I remember, uh, remember, remember the orange to double, the, the double uh, like that. And it was just so confusing. And we're like, what? The orange to double. And it's like, it was just so, <laughs> so much information. Yeah. Um, but again, they were used to, you know, having kids that were more, you know, they needed that stuff uh, because, again, it was just different athletes. I, I remember, Dion, when Ed Gorgian, you know how Coach Tark would bring in uh, like one of the older coaches is like the director of basketball ops, but that wasn't the position then. And Ed Gorgian was that guy uh, one year. And, you know, those guys used to do the scouts. And so I, we were kind of the way – and you remember how Raleigh's deal was with scouts. I mean, you he went through every detail about every player, about every – you know, the whole deal. And I yeah. remember Ed scouted a game and was underneath doing the out-of-bounds plays for the, you know, the opposing team. And he starts to go through it. And Ed's got like, you know, eight pages, right – and he starts to go through it. And after about a minute, Coach Tark says, hey, 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 Ed, that's enough. That's enough. We don't need all that stuff. We're going to confuse these guys. <laughs> and Ed took those papers and just threw them up in the air and walked away. <laughs> but that's the difference. I mean, Raleigh spent a lot of time on that kind of detail. And Tark, you know, relied on guys just being athletes and, you know, basically – you know, he used to just say, hey, if, you know, just if you defend them, they can't they can't do that. Remember, he always, if you just defend them, they can't do that. So it was just a whole different type of system. That's a really good way to explain it, too. Like, I like how you said these guys were student athletes and the Rebels were athletes. Like, I totally get what you're saying. And also, you know, mentioned in previous episodes that personality wise, the two coaches and their personalities and how they dealt with the unique personalities on the team were two totally different styles as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because um, when I played, it was like, how does how, how come they always, like the coaches just love the big guys for some <laughs> reason. They just, they love the big guys. And I couldn't understand that when I played, but now that I coach, like it's something about the big guys that you're just like in love with. <laughs> um, it, it just is. And again, when I played, I had no idea. But now that I'm coaching now, it is something about, you know, those big guys that you just kind of fall in love with. Um, um, so, but no, we, we, uh, we had some personalities. We had some, some, some personalities. Elmore, I remember Elmore, would get a rebound when we practiced in the Thomas and Mac and he would get a rebound and he would, he would throw the ball the length of the court and throw the ball up in the stands. <laughs> yeah. And it used to make Tark so mad for him to do that and say, I'm working on my outlet path. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that was a group now, Melvin love and, you know, th those, those guys were, they were beauties, man. They were, they were a lot of fun. Well, the 92, 93 team too, you had, I know Kenny Gibson 
was there. Sean Lochran, right? He came in with you guys. Um, Danny Griffin, and then Freddie Haygood. Freddie Haygood. Freddie, Freddie, yeah. Freddie Haygood, right? And um, so it wasn't, you know, like you said, it was guys that were coming back, but guys coming in and, you know, that Raleigh was trying to, you know, mesh to his system, which really I don't think ever really happened for Raleigh because he wasn't there long enough, you know. So, yeah. 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 That was just unfortunate um, that he wasn't he wasn't given the opportunity to to really put it together there. Um, but again, it's it's tough to leave one coast and come to another coast mm-hmm. and and change the style of play or try try to change this to the style of play that they're playing on the West Coast. Um, I remember we had some really really good guards in the. Uh, what, what, what were we? we were Big West. Yep. We had some really, really good point guards in the Big West. Um, and I remember when we would get beat, people would run on the court. Oh, God. <laughs> they, would, they would run on the court. And I can remember, I can remember uh, Coach Mass screaming, I'm so freaking sick of these guys running on the court. But everybody felt like they were playing against Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogden and all of those guys. <laughs> But in that league, we had myself, Sam Crawford led the country in assists. I was second in the country in assists. Aaron Sunderland was like fourth in the country in assists. Um, We had some really good talent, you know, Lucius Harris, Brian Russell. Like we had, we had some really, really good talent. And, And I don't know, I just think when those guys first came to the West Coast, in the big in the Big West, I don't think they really, you know, you know, they don't think we can play on the West Coast, you know, back east. They 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 we wake up three hours late, <laughs> so we're 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 kind of always behind. So I think they had to wake up really really quick and really understand that we have some really good players in our league, um, some really really good players in our league, um, especially the guards. They were really tough guards. And I think that's to me. I I agree with you, Dean. On that, I always thought when Raleigh came in, I don't think he valued the Big West nope. at all. And nope. the, and and again, like you said, you know, we were first in the Big West, first in the Big West, first. I mean, we we weren't. We probably won seven or eight championships in a row um, in the Big West, and so everybody recruited up to UNLV that they just wanted to beat UNLV. And, um, and so when, when we went on the road, it was like we were playing, you know, a top ranked team, whether it be Pacific or Long Beach, because they were going to play the best game (laughs) of the entire year. And like you said, every time they beat us, they stormed the court. And, um, and, and, you know, and as coach Tark used to say, if they beat you, they're going to have a parade down the, you know, main street. Um, and, those teams did. I mean, they literally, um, you know, took advantage, I think, of that whole transition. And and we just, you know, I it just never came together for Raleigh. But again, I don't think – I just think he needed more time, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and maybe it would have changed around. But the Big West Conference had great players, man. And they yeah, all yeah. got better because of UNLV. So. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that Coach Mass and that staff would have put it together eventually. Um, but again, yeah, I don't think when they first got here, 
they didn't they didn't respect it like that. No, um, yeah. you know they 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 did not. Um, but the thing is, is we could play on the West Coast. You know, we we could play. Yeah. Um, well, and people on the West Coast are just taller. <laughs> like yeah. if you come out east, everybody is short out here. <laughs> right. It's right. It's so right. Um. So after UNLV, you went over to Japan to play pro. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah. What was that experience like? It was nice. Um, I wish I would have kept playing. Um, but I didn't. I came back home and, and finished up school. But I wish I would have, you know, I wish I would have kept playing. Um, I was over there for about two, three years. And uh, it was a good experience. Um, I think the, probably the worst experience, the worst thing about it, being over there was the food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and being a little lonely. But, um, you know, for the most part, it was a really good experience. And I tell my young guys nowadays when they're like, uh, so we had a kid that went to UCLA to play football and he transferred to Southern Utah. And I think he has, I think he's getting his degree right now and he has two more years to play. And I told him, I'm like, like, dude, you need to, you need to go play. You know, you want to play until you can't play anymore. Right. Uh, that way you have no regrets and just kind of leave it all out there. Um, but I wish I would have kept playing. Yeah. Um, well, when you I play didn't. overseas, I've never asked anybody this before, but I have known some people that have played overseas. Like, what do you, who do you like play? Like who, f- first of all, whose team were you on? And then who do you like play against? They're, they have leagues out there. Um, lo- a lot of locals. Um, when I was out there, there was two, two, uh, two, two, uh, foreigners to every team um and at time I want to say we could be I don't think uh, for, if I can't remember I can't remember uh I think we could only be on a court uh one of us could be on the court at one at the same time uh we you know you had to kind of you know tap in tap out but again it was a really good experience uh you know, so were really your good- teammates Japanese Yes. Yeah. For the most yeah. part. Yeah. So that, that, again, that, that was a tough situation with the language barrier and, and, and that, but it was a good experience Yeah. Um, to go out there and be able to experience something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you do know. you only play other Japanese teams or did you play like Italy or China? Like- no, just, just, just Japanese teams. So there were, they were, I think there was uh, 10, 12 teams in the league. Um, I know Moses Curry played over there for a long time and he made a ton of money over there. He really, he really enjoyed it. And they really like personalities like that. Yeah. You know, guys that scream and, and do all that stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. We were actually just talking about Moses. He, we're going to try to get him on the show cause he, he messaged us on our Facebook. So <laughs> yeah. 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 But, um, it was a good experience. It was a really good experience. And I tell guys, you know, all the time, like, dude, just play forever, mm-hmm. you know, play forever as long as you can. Yeah. yeah. You're only young once, man. You, you know, exactly. you, you got you to do what you can do when you're young because you can't do it when you get older. <laughs> yeah, exactly um, right. So then tell us a little bit about where you're at now. Um, and, you know, I know you're, well, you're president of West Coast AAU, right? 
Yes. yes. So, so can you can you tell us what AAU is? So it's uh it's little league teams. Um, so we have we have teams from six years old to seventeen years old. Uh, we've had our program for about fifteen years now. Um, we travel all over the country to play. Uh, we go to nationals every year. Um, we've had kids go to Duke, Arizona, uh, Loyola Marymount, USC, uh, Columbia for football, UCLA for football. So we've had a lot of kids come through our program, and it's just really gratifying. Oh, so um, it's not just basketball. Well, we we kind of pride ourselves on on making kids just really good athletes. And of course, when you play football, if you play basketball, you can't do anything but become a better athlete. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they might start off playing basketball, but when they get to about 13, 14, you know, some kids might go this way for football. Some kids might go this way for baseball. Um, some kids might go that way for volleyball. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just been really, really gratifying to to see all of the kids come through our program. Um, over the last couple of years, we've we've had kids start to kind of graduate from college. Uh, like on the one year we had uh, one kid from Bishop Gorman. He was the uh, he was the valedictorian at Bishop Gorman. Wow. Uh, the other kid, Darian Akahito, who's uh, at Columbia right now, he was the valedictorian at. Uh, Liberty High School. They were both on the same team. And then uh, the kid, Troy Brown, who plays for the, the Chicago Bulls, he was drafted two years ago. He was a great, great kid. So we've had some really, really um, stand-up kids come through our program. So are these kids playing like, do they play high school ball in addition to on an AAU team? Is it like a separate yeah. thing? Yeah, so so high school usually goes from about November to around like March, something like that. And then they, they come play for our AAU program from March, April, all the way to the end of July. Okay. So we, we, we have our own gym. It's called Hoop City here locally in town. Um, we have two courts and we have, uh, I'd say maybe, maybe about 100 and maybe 110 boys. Uh, we have a girls program as well called the Las Vegas Storm, um, who is a, a, a sister program to the Cal Storm, who is an EYBL Nike program in California, Team Tarasi, um, where where uh, Diana Tarasi played in that program in California. And they let us start a faction out here in Las Vegas. So we put a ton of girls in college. Um, nice. So, yeah, yeah. And it's a... Uh... I mean, you know, the, first of all, thank God for AAU because back in the day, I used to probably make as much money working those summer tournaments as I did with my salary at UNLV. <laughs> I worked those tournaments all summer long. And then, of course, with Gerg's, you know, uh, the weekend camps or, the you know, all that stuff, team camps. And uh, so I I really enjoyed it and saw some great players. And, and you know, when I used to have those AAU tournaments in Vegas – and I'm sure they still do now, but you know, you get every big time college coach in America coming to watch these kids play and it's great exposure for them. And, um, I mean, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. And what do you, Dedon, what do you think, uh, with this, with your AU programs and all that now, 
And I know it doesn't really impact you as much um, because they're, you know, not in college yet. But have you heard a lot of stuff about the transfer portal now with the NC2A? Yeah. What's yeah. your thoughts about that? And I, I think, um, quite honestly, I just think it's uh, – I don't like it. Um, but, again, I always tell people it's kind of a microcosm of, of society. Um, you know, people don't stay in homes anymore for over 10 years, 12 years. They don't stay in relationships anymore. They don't stay at jobs anymore. So it's kind of the same thing in, 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 in basketball with these kids – you know, even the NBA guys, you know, it just was a trickle down effect um, with, with, you know, you got LeBron going from this team to that team and Kevin Durant going from this team to that team to that team. It's like, it's not what it was 20, 30 years ago where guys played for one team the whole time, um, you know, it, it, which is good and bad, uh, you know, and, and, it's kind of hard for me because I'm a, I'm a old school type of, you know, type of coach. And it's funny because when, when my boys went to middle school, we didn't go to a middle school where they had a really, really good coach. We didn't go to a middle school where we were chasing different players. We went around the corner to the, the middle school that we were zoned for. Um, and I remember the year before DJ got there, they were, I don't know, like four and 22, you know, when he was a sixth grader, they make the, they make the playoffs. Um, and I think they might've lost in the second round, but next year they, they uh, don't make the playoffs because they got moved up to division one. And then the third year his, his brother's a sixth grader and DJ's an eighth grader and they won the city championship. Wow. Um, and with that being said, it's, it's, and I tell them, I always tell them like, you guys have no idea until you come back here in 15, 20 years and you see your name up on that wall, you know, you and your brother won a city championship and like, you guys can't understand right now. You, you just can't. But when you come back here 15, 20 years, you see your name up on that wall, you're going to be very proud of that. Um, you know, uh, so Again, with, with our high school uh, situation, we always said we were going to go to Liberty High School. We ended up buying a, uh, buying a house right by Liberty, and that's where we're going to high school. And they're super, super talented. They have the chance to, to beat Bishop Gorman in the next couple of years. And, and you know, I just, uh, I just believe in that, uh, doing it the right way and, and not going from uh, – school to school to school like some of these kids man they are they transfer schools every year and i just think that's crazy to me yeah that's crazy to me. and that transfer portal stuff I, again i don't agree with it um but i do understand what they're doing they're trying to give the kids some some you know some power but you can't even coach them anymore at times you know um if i wanted to so say i wanted to tell you something I might have to, and this is, this is how it goes. Now I might have to talk to your handler to talk to you about playing harder and what we need, because if you say something wrong, wrong to these kids, they might transfer schools. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. Yeah. I don't believe in that. And I want my kids coached. 
Um, I want them coached. I want them coached hard. And, you know, if you get on their behind, they're, they're not going to fold. They're not going to get pissed off and be disrespectful. Um, they're going to try and do what, what, what you want them to do. But the transfer portal thing, it's a, it's a, t- I, I thought they would change this thing. I can't believe they're doing it with football next year. I know. Well, and see that that's my whole my I mean college is one thing. I mean kids get to college and for a lot of different reasons they transfer. But when you have to make a decision to transfer and you have to sit out a year, that's a lot different than just going somewhere, you know, and saying, "Well, if it doesn't work out, I'll go and play somewhere else," which they can no. do now. But what I worry about is like the younger kids because you know they know the rules. Uh, you know, they're being recruited and you start putting that mentality in there. Well, if it doesn't work out, you know, my freshman year, I'll just go somewhere else. And yeah. I just think it sets a bad precedent for us as a society. I mean, you know, it, it'd be the same thing if you, you go to your job and you're like, well, I don't really like this job. I'm going to go work over there just because it's a better place to go. And you leave after six months, you know, so. I, I'm like you, Don. I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't know where it's all going to go, but it sure is problematic. Like for me as an athletic administrator, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, first of all, just keeping track of all that stuff because you still so have much. to manage it because of, of the APR and, you know, the academic rules. And and then, you know, you get like I know at, at U Albany, our coaches, when we talked about transferring the transfer portal and the exception and all that stuff. And I don't blame any of these coaches. And I, I agree with them is that, Hey, if you, you, you can enter the transfer portal, no problem. We support you hundred percent, but guess what? You're not coming back to play for us, you know, and that's kind of the mentality of the coaches. But in reality, as an athletic administrator, you can't do that. You know, you can cause if a kid wants to come back, they can come back. And, and so it creates all kind of, of I think logistical problems, you know, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but it's not that I don't think it's the greatest rule. No. Well, and not to mention too, like you guys were talking about how, you know, your team with Tark started off rough and developed, you know, into a great team or got, you know, traction and same with Massimino not having enough time to put a program together. Like if you just continue to switch you're never giving anybody the chance to really become something. Yeah. You have to compete. Um, that's, that's the bottom line. Um, but nowadays it's like kids just don't want to compete anymore. Um, they bring in a point guard um, and it's like they brought him in. So I'm going to just get in the transfer portal. Right. And it's like, <laughs> what happened? What happened to competing? Yeah. And, and yeah. Good old, and, good old fashioned, you know, battling it out to see, you know, who was, who was, who was the best. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Again, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, I think there's good and bad things about it, but just this stuff, I know on the girl side, I remember maybe about three weeks, a month ago, uh, I think the girl side was at 1800 girls in the transfer portal. And that's yeah. just, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's just like. Oh, it's um, nuts. I mean, it, it's, you know, every coach in America says the same thing. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how, how it all shakes out. But, uh, you know, some, some programs right now are completely decimated because everybody left. You know, you have a coaching change now and every kid's gone, you know. So, 
Yep. Hey, Dino, before we go, uh, you mentioned your sons, right? And I know uh-huh. one of your oldest is a 2024, right? So he's what, a sophomore or junior? He's a freshman. That's your oldest? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, that right. So that would be 2024. And then your yeah. youngest is what? He's 10 years old. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. that's awesome. So yeah. uh, I know your your oldest is a really good player right now, and I'm sure you got to be excited about that. And um, you're, do you co- you're coaching him in, in this, on your team, right? Yes, yes. He's uh, he's always played in our program. Um, actually, all of our boys have always played in our program. Yeah. And, and for me, it's just always been one of those things where um, uh, you have to stand for something. Like we don't we don't let them go play for a bunch of different teams because we try to kind of raise them old school and and uh, be loyal to something and they're they're loyal to our program. Um, but when they got to, when they get to high school, it's a little bit different because that's when Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour kind of come into play um, and and. I never wanted to have a hundred kids in my program. Um, we started our program off with three kids. And my <laughs> wife always used to say, you can't tell a kid no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell a kid no. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it has blossomed into something that like I had no idea it would ever get this big and ever be like this. No idea. Um, I knew one day I would probably be a coach. What level? I had no idea. Um, but I love spending time with my kids. Uh, I love helping uh, younger kids develop uh, as, as great young men and athletes and really good student athletes. And it's it's kind of just kind of been my calling, mm-hmm. um, so it's 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 been a blessing to me because for one, I feel like I don't have a job. Um, you know, I get to go to the gym every day. I get to be in the gym with my daughter and her brother, and then my other two boys, and uh, it's uh, it's just been great. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, well, I know you've done well with it for sure. I mean. Um, you know, and I, when I was reading, um, about your program, I mean, that's pretty awesome what you've done. I'm, I'm really proud of you and happy for you. So, and it's awesome yeah. to coach your kids. I'm, I'm sure a lot of times it drives you nuts, but, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure that's a lot of fun at the same time. Well, we'll root and we'll root for Liberty because anybody who's listening, if you're a Las Vegas native, beating Bishop Gorman is like the ultimate high. <laughs> sure. They're, they're 10 in a row right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. We just beat them in football last year for the first time in about seven, eight years. Yeah. That's um, wild. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to get there. Um, and then also, you know, Everett has a program. JR has a program. Yeah. So it's really good when we get to go play against each other. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. How to put on the for the kids. And, yeah. How are, how are the old uh, Coronado Cougars? Do they have any? They were always terrible at football. <laughs> No, they're not very good in football, but they had a, a kid that was there the last three, four years. He'll be a pro. 
on um, at basketball. Yeah, he's really, really good. So good. My alma mater. Coronado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Didon. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time um and coming on with us. You've been a great guest and I can't wait to to put this episode out for our listeners. Yeah, Dino, Thank thanks, man. It's great to catch up. I know you're not feeling well. I really hope you feel a lot better and take yeah. care of yourself. And hopefully I get back to Vegas. I'll uh, look you up and say hello. All right. Sounds good. You guys take care. Yeah, All right. Thanks, thanks so Dino. much, Dino. Take care, bud. Bye. All right. Well, another great episode, another great guest. And uh, we're coming back with another one next week. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, it's always good to catch up with Deedon. He was, he was a great person when he was a student athlete. I always in, enjoyed him then. And I you know enjoyed this interview today. So thanks everybody for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, wherever you're streaming this podcast, if you would be so kind as to give us a subscribe and maybe even a review. In addition, you can find us for any updates on social media, Facebook or Instagram. Our handle is at Cuddy and the Cooge. Cuddy with a C, Cooge with a K. Or you can email any questions or submit any feedback to Cuddy and the Cooge at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. 